Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Progressive American. I'm Connor, back with another morning podcast about the week's news from a progressive perspective. Welcome to the show. It is Saturday, September 18th, 2021. And today we are discussing voting rights legislation, the end of Angela Merkel's term, the California recall, and many more issues to boot. With that out of the way, let's jump into the news. On Tuesday, Senate Democrats announced a new voting rights bill that resulted from negotiations between progressives and moderates within the party. Democrats see voting legislation as a key component of their party's continued viability and a fundamental principle of democratic society. This contrasts with the GOP, who has long rejected all voting rights legislation that may interfere with their recent attempts to pass voter restrictions on a state level. Guided by their loyalty to Trump's false claims of voter fraud, Republicans have proposed over 40 laws that would alter or restrict voter access to the polls. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell dismissed the measures intended to stop the restrictions by calling them unnecessary intervention by the federal government. However, the effort may prove successful as Senator Joe Manchin, the only Democrat to oppose the For the People's Act, is one of its key writers, though Manchin still wants to get Republicans on board, which is unlikely. However, suppose Manchin stays strong with the Democrats on this front, and they correctly call a point of order to overrule the Senate parliamentarian. In that case, they could set a precedent that protects voting rights for years to come without overruling the filibuster in its entirety. And there's a lot to unpack here, but I want to make a few points. Firstly, I cannot stand it when people like Mitch McConnell pretend that state governments can be trusted with voter rights. They clearly can't and have consistently demonstrated that fact. It was part of the reason that the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was passed in the first place. The states were the ones restricting voting rights in the first place, and they routinely did it not just along racial grounds, but political grounds as well, as they do today. McConnell can complain and call it an intervention by the federal government all he likes, but that is precisely what we need. The idea that the states know best is completely unfounded regarding protecting the people's right to vote. Across this country, districts are gerrymandered all to hell to the point where partisan hacks remain in power for 30 or 40 years, sometimes life. We don't have to look far to find examples of states abusing their power over voting either. In 2016, North Carolina had its voter ID law struck down because the requirements of that law targeted African Americans with what the court described as surgical precision. If a state actively targets people along political lines, it will inevitably come into conflict with other issues like demographics and race. If you're leading a southern state and you want to suppress democratic turnout, one of the main groups you will try to keep from voting is the African American community. Whether or not you like it, whether or not you are motivated by politics, the result will always be racial, and that can't be allowed to stand in the United States. But more than that, it seems to me that it would be contrary to the principles of a democratic society to try and clamp down on voter protections a year after one of the most active elections in recent American history. America, generally speaking, has very low voter turnout compared to other countries. The fact that some on the right see this with suspicion tells a lot about their views regarding the people's ability to make decisions for themselves. Democrats need to hold nothing back. If they can get this act through and prevent extensive voter suppression, they will have earned their place as protectors of a democratic society, but if they fail, they will have squandered an opportunity that they will almost certainly never get back. It is entirely on them to push this and fight to the bitter end. In international news, we turn to Germany. After more than a decade, the Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, is stepping down and is not running for re-election this month. As it stands right now, Merkel is one of the longest-serving chancellors in German history. 
While many, such as former President Barack Obama, applaud her consensus-based leadership, others have criticized her for sometimes not taking the lead when she should have. For example, relations with China and Russia have proven to be points of contention for her. Climate has also been a point of serious criticism. Despite supporting climate initiatives, in theory, she has left Germany as one of the largest coal producers in the world. Through her humanitarian efforts, Merkel also oversaw a wave of immigration into Germany, all while fighting off a rising tide of far-right extremism within her country that still plagues it. While the state of her legacy will likely not be decided anytime soon, what is certain is that there is a clear vacuum of power in Germany. Germany is on pace to see a shift in its politics, with the Social Democratic Party and the Christian Democratic Union seeing rises in their polling. If polls hold as they are now, the Social Democrats and Christian Democrats will likely be the main parties in the Reichstag, the German parliament. This is important for various reasons, aside from the obvious need to learn about the world around us. Germany has consistently played a central role in European politics, something that Biden will have to deal with now that Merkel is gone. If the Social Democrats win and establish a strong coalition, Biden may deal with a more left-wing government than Merkel's conservative faction. Who knows? We may see a new left-wing polity in the future if the Social Democrats manage to establish themselves, but we will just have to wait and see. In American news, we once again have to talk about Tucker Carlson, or more specifically, that Carlson has finally admitted what has long been apparent. He's a liar. In an interview with fellow right-winger Dave Rubin, Carlson admitted that he would lie when confronted with an opposition that he couldn't handle. You so what do, you th what do you think the answer to that question is? How do they, when, when you have to cover some idiotic thing that Stelter said or Cuomo, just these, these clown people, when you have to cover it, right? Or Don Lemon, as you call him. Like, what, how do you think they live with themselves at this point when they just lie again and again and we have the internet to expose the lies? If this isn't 20 years ago when you were on CNN yeah. and, we, and we couldn't expose things, we can expose it now and they still do it. Well, it's, I guess I would ask myself like, I mean, I lie if I'm really cornered or something. I lie. I really try not to. I try never to lie on TV. I, try, I just don't, you know, I don't like lying. I certainly do it, you know, out of weakness or whatever. The irony here is that Tucker Carlson is one of the biggest liars and lies systemically. Tucker Carlson's lawyers famously argued in court that he couldn't be sued for defamation because no reasonable person could take his opinion as fact. The argument allowed Carlson to escape the consequences of his rhetoric in turn. Carlson pretends to be one with the working class, but as leaked clips of him show, he is just as much part of the billionaire class that he claims to hate. How do you pay your bills? Well, I'm like extraordinarily loaded just from like money I, you know, inherited. You're a trust fund baby, are you not? No, completely. I've never needed to work. I mean, it's all just the whole cable news thing. It was like a phase I was going through. I say this not to just take a shot at Tucker Carlson, as fun as that is. The real reason I bring this up is that Carlson is a massive commentator who routinely attempts to appeal to the disadvantaged and convince them that he's their friend when he's completely disconnected from their experiences. What's more, he is fundamentally opposed to their interests. When someone's first defense in court is that they're full of it, you should believe them and not give them a second chance to defend themselves later. Once you admit you lie, it doesn't matter how often you do it or why. All that matters is that you did it in the first place, and there's no reason to believe any other excuses you provide from that point forward. And that's the problem with Tucker Carlson. He's fundamentally full of it. He has no spirit. There's nothing behind what he believes. He is a vapid commentator with no bone of honesty in his body.
In electoral news, the GOP's efforts to remove Governor Gavin Newsom have failed spectacularly. With 78% of the polls reporting, Newsom has beaten the recall attempt with 63.7% of the ballots cast. With nearly half a billion dollars spent on the recall effort, the vote to recall Gavin Newsom has ended with a clear and decisive victory for the Democrats and the governor. However, much like the former president, the main GOP candidate, Larry Elder, claimed fraud even before the election results were available. His campaign set up a site to report fraud in a state that is overwhelmingly Democratic and has gone blue for the last several Democratic candidates for president. To put this in perspective, Joe Biden won California with 65% of the vote in 2020, and 5 million more votes than Donald Trump. Parties generally gauged their strength based on how their party chief did in previous presidential elections. In California's case, Democrats outmatched Republicans by nearly two times the vote count in 2020. There is absolutely no way that someone like Larry Elder could hope to win, or any Republican for that matter, especially when they weren't investing in the Latino vote. Overwhelmingly, Democrats brought out their voters to bear, and it showed, especially in the Latino community. 79% of Latinos voted against the recall in San Diego County, and 83% did the same in Orange County. Democrats got their people out to vote throughout the recall effort, even when they outnumbered Republicans. And Republicans just didn't do that. So if you hear some talk about voter fraud or any other such accusations, just know that this is nothing more than Republicans complaining because they picked a fight they couldn't win and wasted money on it that they can't get back. Unlike Democrats in Texas, California Republicans are not putting in the work and are paying for it. Plain and simple. In foreign policy news, President Joe Biden announced that the United States would assist Australia in developing their own nuclear-powered submarines. The agreement made by the administration and the United Kingdom seeks to establish a binding alliance between America, the UK, and Australia against the Chinese's growing military prowess at sea. Not surprisingly, the Chinese government is opposed to the move, and state media columnists have responded to this with one saying, Maybe China and Russia should also help some countries acquire nuclear power submarines as a return of favor. France is also concerned about the move, but not for the reasons you'd expect. The French are concerned as they were not included in the deal, with their Minister of European and Foreign Affairs calling it, quote, a knife in the back. Still, this means that there is a new foreign policy being established in the East, and it is possible that this could become part of a long-term strategy of military aid and containment. While I am not a fan of the Chinese government, I do worry about how this may exacerbate tensions with the growing country. The Biden administration should avoid unnecessary conflict with China and do everything in its power to ensure peace. However, that does not mean that China's military expansionism on the seas should go unanswered. Australia has long been the subject of harassment by the Chinese government and in its attempts to alter the domestic policy of the Australians. The Chinese state has attempted to coerce the local press through suits and economic pressure in some cases. In Sri Lanka, there have been allegations that China may be attempting to sway elections by funding candidates of their preference, undermining the sovereignty of their elections. Australia has also seen similar issues with the United Work Front Department, which extends China's intelligence and diplomatic efforts. This was a long time coming. What matters now is that the U.S. is careful to maintain peaceful but firm relations with China while also making sure that their covert operations are met with equal enthusiasm and precision. I know that some of my fellow leftists might not like this approach and are rightfully cautious about the dangers of starting a new Cold War, but ignoring the actions of foreign agents and how they influence one of our allies is a mistake. Australia needs to be able to operate freely without China's intervention in its domestic affairs. 
and if providing them the means to defend themselves achieves that end, then so be it. In darker news, the FBI is facing questions over its four-day investigation into Justice Brett Kavanaugh. One of the key components of the Republicans' approval to the court was that Kavanaugh was investigated for sexual assault claims by Christine Ford, and they were found to be untrue. However, new revelations about the investigation itself have shown that the FBI may not have done their due diligence in pursuing the investigation. The FBI claimed that they could not investigate further beyond what was authorized by the White House. However, that is likely false. The guidance they referenced was recently re-examined by The Guardian and found that the direction, which former Attorney General Eric Holder released, did not restrict the exact actions of the FBI as they claimed, nor did it claim that the White House could limit the FBI investigation procedures in the way they described it. It is worth noting that the Bureau did a four-day background check on Kavanaugh, but did not bother to interview Ford, his accuser, or Kavanaugh himself nor did they investigate the 4,500 tips they received regarding Kavanaugh. The FBI didn't do their job. I don't mean to get so dark, but for the love of God, this is a permanent position that lasts a lifetime, and now we are finding out that the FBI was acting on false interpretations of legal guidance? All while victims are barely talked to by the agency that is supposed to uphold the law? That's insane! If there's to be any justice, Kavanaugh needs to be brought back to testify again, and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, should also be investigated for his failure to deal with this. We can't turn a blind eye to a failure like this, ever. It's completely unacceptable. If we are serious about protecting women's rights, it has to start with stopping sexual predators from sitting in permanent seats of power. That's just basic. And the fact that that's going to be political after I say it is going to be telling about our political system right now and our society as a whole.